Hello, and welcome to the Bayside Sermon Series Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Duckworth, Media and Technical Director at Bayside. This week, we talk with Pastor Ken Carlson, and we start our new sermon series, The Songs of Easter. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. Thank you. So today on the podcast, we're starting our new sermon series. And as we get started, I want to read the series synopsis. That's a fun thing to say. (laughs) 700 years before Jesus stepped into human history, the prophet Isaiah wrote about a mysterious servant of the Lord who would come to bring the promised hope and restoration of Israel and the nations. By way of four so-called servant songs, Isaiah foretells various aspects of the servant's work and identity. This will be a five-week series, and we hope to answer the question, who is this servant Isaiah prophesied about? And we've called this series Songs of Easter. Uh, but, Pastor Ken, you started in, Ma- in Matthew. Why did we start there? Is there a practical application or a homiletical value to starting in the New Testament? <clears throat> yeah, good question. So, um, the reason I wanted to start in Matthew is because the way I, you know, the it's always hard when you're, intru- or it's a challenge. It could be a little more of a challenge when you're introducing um, a sermon series. So especially that, in Isaiah. Yeah, especially in Isaiah, right? We so. just finished Daniel. <laughs> I know. Now let's go to Isaiah. <laughs> That's, at least we're not going verse by verse through Isaiah, at least yet. Maybe one day. I would love to do that. It's a big Ooh. book, though. Um, yeah, so introducing a, you know, when you're homiletically, when you're uh, writing a sermon or or, for, or outlining a sermon, however different people do it different ways, um, you always want to, you, they say you have 30 seconds, 30 seconds to get somebody to listen uh, for the next two minutes, and then you need those two minutes to convince them to listen to the next 20 minutes. So within those 30 seconds, you know, when you're starting a sermon series, it's like, do I start and draw people into the sermon itself or to the overall sermon series? So that's essentially what I did was I just started with the sermon itself because Isaiah 42 talks a lot about justice. So I started with just talking about justice and what our typical Western um, understanding of justice is. We understand and view justice as only taking place um, in the legal arena. Whereas biblically, um, it uh, justice is something um, that everybody uh, should be uh, doing, and justice is is a universal thing. It's meant to enhance life. It's not just meant to enforce laws. Um, so, to back that up, that is the reason why I went right to Matthew twelve to look at the example of Jesus, where Matthew um, r- records. Uh, that Jesus was fulfilling what Isaiah prophesied about in Isaiah 42. Um, so Isaiah 42 is, talks about, you know, Jesus, or talks about this servant whom we know is Jesus. You know, that was the, the spoiler. Um, I let you guys know that the very first sermon series in the very beginning. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, this this servant that Isaiah is talking about um, is Jesus. So that's why Matthew quotes Isaiah 42 when um, right after Jesus restores uh, the withered hand uh, of a man and, and, and then heals, goes around healing a bunch of people. And the reason is because that's what justice looks like, right? That's, that's Jesus restoring um, what has happened as a result of the fall. So it's reversing the effects of the fall. And ultimately Christ is the only one who could do that. He begins to do that um, 
through his kingdom on earth now, and he will uh, ultimately realize that um, at his second coming. So one of the first questions that you listed in the discussion guide um, is, is something that I don't think two people will have the exact same answer to. You asked, when you think of the word justice, what images, definitions, or examples come to mind? Mm -hmm. and, and you have this great quote from Raymond Ortland Jr. Uh, he says, a just world is human society as God means it to be, with no corrupting idolatries. Injustice is more than a political dysfunction. It is a spiritual evil, a denial of God. God has a blueprint for human existence, and through his servant Jesus, he's bringing his plan down from heaven to reorder human civilization in a beautiful way. Now, when I think of the, the human form of justice, uh, it's like everything else in this world. It's broken and imperfect. Uh, I feel a, a more modern understanding of justice uh, is focused on making the offender set lower than the offended. Uh, justice hasn't been fulfilled until they have suffered more than me. And I thank God that my final justice will not be administered by a panel of my peers. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> so you also asked the question, why does Matthew quote Isaiah's first sermon song? So what clues in this scene help us to support the above understanding of justice? Yeah, so it's um, in Matthew 12. Um, which I mentioned before, you know, so you have the man there with a the withered hand. Jesus is going around to the synagogues um, and the religious leaders are trying to trap him. And it's on the Sabbath. So, you know, Jesus uh, or so they ask, you know, is it is it really lawful to heal a man on the Sabbath? You know, because that's doing work. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Jesus basically turns around, t tells the man, stretch out your hand. The man stretches out his hand um, and it's restored healthy like no other. And obviously the Pharisees want to uh, want to now conspire against him. Um, they want to they want to get rid of him. They want to destroy him. Jesus knew that. So he uh, withdrew from their presence. But a bunch of people followed him and he healed them all. Um, and he ordered them not to make him known because the time was not uh, not yet ready for Jesus uh, for his um, you know, full identity to be revealed because you know how that was going to end up. Um, and but that was all right. But then Matthew says after he did all of that, it says this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Um, and then Isaiah go, or Matthew goes and quotes Isaiah 42, um, the first four verses there. So that's, you know, so the whole idea there being that's what justice looks like. Justice looks like restoring a man's withered hand. It looks like uh, making whole what was broken and lost and corrupted and damaged by sin and the fall. Um, in, that, in that case, it was uh, looked like Jesus healing um, a person's a body, a person's uh, spirit. So that's a, that is just a, a beautiful example of what justice looks like. You know, it's not just um, legal. It's, it's not just something that happens in the realm of, uh, of law and politics. It's something that uh, all of God's children um, should understand how Jesus um, fulfilled this, but then also how as extensions of Jesus, as um, his current servants in the world, um, Jesus was the servant of the Lord, and the church, you know, is a, a modern-day servant. Um, so how do we, as servants of the Lord, the church being a servant of the Lord, go and uh, and promote justice and do uh, justice? And I think the best example that we have is do what Jesus did. Now, our, our big idea for the week was that 
only Jesus can make right all we've made wrong. And our, our two supporting points from the sermon were that A, Jesus is gentle enough to restore the broken, and B, that Jesus is strong enough to redeem the lost. Let's spend a little time unpacking how these two ideas can influence our daily lives. Jesus is gentle enough to restore the broken. He is the antithesis of toxic masculinity. And as a husband and father, my life verse should not be Mark eleven fifteen, where Jesus goes and cleanses the temple. That wasn't the focus of his earthly ministry. Jesus wasn't out every Friday night picking fights with people who needed saving. He didn't heal every sick or lame person in Jerusalem when he was there. Uh, Acts chapter 3 is a, is a reminder of that. The lame beggar that was at the gate every day. And Jesus was in the same temple when he was there, but he did not heal that person in that moment. He waited. Uh, there was a particular time set in line so that Peter and Paul, uh, in Acts chapter 3, would go and heal that man at a later date. Uh, so these characteristics Jesus modeled for us is to be meek and lowly. That's another Ortland book. It's not uh, Raymond, but it's his brother Dane. Yes, yeah, gentle and lowly. Yep. Uh, gentle and lowly. And to treat others with love and kindness. I don't think the Ortlands have a book called Love and Kindness yet. Um, that's probably next year. Maybe if they listen to this, they will. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, one of the quotes from uh, Isaiah is that a bruised reed he will not break. Now, when we look at our parenting techniques, uh, this is something we should be applying as we are correcting our children. Now, this is not the verse of the Bible that was used for me, of course. Generations that raised me uh, all misappropriated Proverbs 13 and didn't spare the rod, the fly swatter, or even the pizza paddle. I got that at once, but it broke when, when I got swatted with that thing. I, if I didn't know any better, I would think you were from an Italian family. Uh, you know. Uh, we are broken people trying to raise little broken people that we want to be less broken than us. Um, you know, and other things when we have a bad day or our, our spouse has a bad day. We shouldn't complain about what has or has not been done, but remember that Jesus wouldn't put out a faintly burning wick. And so, you know, those those two quotes there from from Isaiah about how Jesus has his approach to people, that is, yeah, that is the, the best example we have. And the second point that Jesus is strong enough to redeem the lost, something about verse 1 that stands out to me is the emphasis of my. How many times the, the message from God is saying, my, this is my servant, my chosen, my soul delights in this, my spirit, I'm putting my spirit in him. This is God's doing. Jesus didn't go AWOL. God sent him to bring justice to the earth, but not the same way God sent King David to bring justice for Israel, uh, which is what led to some confusion about the true nature of Messiah's first coming. Jesus is not doing this in his own strength, and neither can we. Our strength comes from Yahweh, and Isaiah gives him a lengthy title uh, in verse 5, as the God who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and the spirit to those who walk in it. That is a huge, long title for who God is. And it, just, it says everything you can about him. Yep. <laughs> Creator, sustainer, giver of life, giver, giver of spirit. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> it's, it's all of it, all, all encompassed in that verse, verse 5. Now, in verses 5 through 9, uh, we're given a few more details about what the mission of this servant will be. One, he's a covenant. He's not a conqueror. He is to heal people and set prisoners free. Not physically, but we're talking about those who sit in spiritual darkness. When we get this phrase in verse 9, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Now, that's a phrase that happens quite a bit throughout the Bible. What, what does that usually point to? Oftentimes, that's pointing, that's uh, oftentimes a clue to the new covenant, um, a little cue to that. And you see that um, in, you know, a couple verses before that, he says, I will give you as a covenant for the people a light for the nations. And he says, behold, the former things have come to pass and new things, new things, I now declare, before they spring forth, meaning before this new covenant happens, before uh, all this stuff talks about, about this, uh, this servant, um, before this all happens, I'm telling you of them now. Um, so it's just, a, it's just a beautiful picture there of God just communicating like, hey, these things haven't happened yet, but I'm letting you, I'm letting you in. I'm, I'm, on, I'm, I'm, tail, I'm tearing a little hole through the veil of, of time space so you can peer through and see what's going to happen in the future. And I'm letting you know them now before they spring forth. I'd like to, to kind of diverge just a minute as we're talking about the example um, that we should be following in Jesus. So this is one of my favorite stories from the Old Testament. It's found in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 25. First off, the chapter starts on a sad note. It just plainly says, now Samuel died, period. Now there's six more chapters left in 1 Samuel and a whole other book, <laughs> but the man is dead. Anyhow, David uh, at this point is hiding from Saul but has a small group of warriors uh, surrounding him, about, about 400 men following him around. They're hanging out in the wilderness and watching over this guy's uh, field. His name is Nabal or Nabal. Now, Nabal didn't ask for David uh, and his army to protect his sheep or his men, but David wants to be rewarded for his good deed. So David sends a request to participate in one of the parties that Nabal is throwing. And uh, David's request was met with disdain and rejection. And do you remember David's response? Tell me. Everybody get your swords. We're going to go kill him. <laughs> now, it was Nabal's wife, Abigail, that had to step in and stop David from killing her husband. David's response to Abigail was rather boastful. And he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation in my own hand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there had not been left to Nabal, not such as one male. Now, here's some of the interesting things happening. Abigail later told her husband about how her actions saved all of their lives. And the dude had a heart attack on the spot and dies 10 days later. Then, David, being the gentleman that he was, went back to marry Abigail. When so here's how it concludes the story. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal and has kept 
back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. So, what was the point of this story? That men should listen to their wives? No, that's <laughs> not the point of this story, but it's a good one. Uh, was it to not let your pride get in the way of how we deal with others? No. Was it that God will reward you with a beautiful wife for not killing a rude people? Now, that it actually says that Abigail was quite beautiful, but that, that wasn't the point either. Was it that God will avenge you even when you do stupid things? No. The point is that our best example for dealing with others is Jesus, God's servant who declares justice quietly and humbly. You know, David is known for being a man after God's own heart, but he still had pride issues. He still had heart issues. And even though God blessed him tremendously, he was still an idiot from time to time. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> which, which gives us hope, right? <laughs> it, it does. But you see David here being a little bit like the mafia here. He's oh, yeah. like, I'm going to do for you this favor. <laughs> And I want to be rewarded for the favor I'm doing you by protecting your people. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's uh, definitely one one kind of justice there. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and there is an element, obviously, where as um, as believers, we we want to see justice uh, served, but across the board, um, you know, it's because it is it's. It's the it's God's will that you know governments are uh, are just. Um, it's obviously that that justice is often corrupted and skewed. Um, so you know the question then becomes how do we as believers you know those who um, I'm not going to say are broken um, those who were broken right because Christ makes us whole spiritually though we feel oftentimes broken. Um, so how do we, as those who, are, who have been made whole, who have been restored, who have been redeemed, who have been revived by Christ, how do we then be instruments of his justice? You know, that, I think that looks like standing up for the weak, standing up for the poor, standing up for the oppressed, standing up for the powerless, standing up um, for um, the minorities when, when they're oppressed, uh, standing up for Christians when they're persecuted. Um, I think it's across the board, and it's supposed to be done in a gentle humble manner and always always with the goal of pointing to jesus as the supreme example of justice all right next week isaiah 49 as we continue the the songs of easter uh pastor dave is going to be preaching for us uh any insights as to we can what we can expect yeah so uh he's going pastor dave's going to preach for us the next um Servant song in Isaiah, um, so you could get a look ahead and look over at Isaiah forty nine, because um, remember there are four servant songs uh, in Isaiah. Um, I did the first one, Isaiah forty two one through nine. Um, the second one happens in Isaiah uh, forty nine, um, and you know essentially the the thrust uh, the thrust that we're going to see there. Um, I, I love I <laughs> I love. I love that passage in Isaiah 49. Uh, so, you know, he's talking about um, the, the faithful one the, the, uh, in the day of salvation. He's, he, he repeats a lot of what he talked about in the first uh, servant song, um, but he just, he expands upon it a little more. And, I, and that's what you see a little bit as the servant songs build. There's, there's a little more that's revealed about who the servant is. I mean, we know who the servant is, um, but, you know, kind of reverse engineering it and looking 
looking at it through the way that um, the Israelites would have began to understand the whole concept of Messiah and the servant of the Lord um, is a beautiful thing. So that's Isaiah 49. Then the next week, um, Pastor James will be preaching, and uh, he's going to be looking uh, at uh, Isaiah, uh, I think it's 50. Um, and then, so that would be the third servant song. And then the fourth servant song, we're breaking into two parts. Um, to, you know, So it's a five-week series. So the fourth servant song, we're breaking into two parts. And that one is Isaiah uh, 52, 13. Um, that's where the fourth servant song starts and it ends in 53, 12 or 13. Uh, so we're going to be looking at those in two separate halves. The first half really talks about the suffering uh, of this servant. Um, and then the second half talks about the victory of that servant. And naturally we'll talk about that victory on Easter Sunday. Um, so stay tuned. Great. So a couple things as we prepare for our Easter services, there'll be uh, cards that you can grab to hand out. Uh, they should be uh, mailed out as well to some uh, people in the community. But uh, stop by the information desks and ask for the invitation cards to hand out for Easter services. And uh, again, we will have a, a Good Friday service on that Friday at 7 p.m. as well as three Easter services uh, on Easter Sunday. All on that Sunday morning. 8.30, 10, and 11.30. So as we close our time today, was there anything uh, from this past week's sermon that, that you left out? Um, not, not a whole lot. It was, I wanted, so, so this was a very pastoral passage. Um, so my, the way I preached it was very pastoral. It wasn't, you know, anything necessarily a deep and, you know, so much to uncover and discover. And yet there was, um, but in its simplicity. So, so it was, it was very pastoral, but you know, some of the things that you could, you could see parallels as you go through all of these servant songs. So example 42, when, you know, God says, um, behold, my servant, this is my chosen one. This is the one whom I uphold. This is the one in whom my soul delights. You see that, uh, like a, a lot of that in the baptism of Jesus. Um, you know, when, when, the voice from heaven says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, in whom my soul delights. Um, so there's a lot of those parallels. Um, and that was one of the ones that you see in Isaiah 42. So that's the, that's the one I'll give you. Awesome. All right. That's going to be our time for today. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope you have a blessed week. Thank you.